WLVR and PBS 39 are pleased to present a special event at the Philadelphia Flower Show on Wednesday, June 9th. Join me, Mike McGrath, host of You Bet Your Garden, and flower show designer Sam Lemhenny for a behind-the-scenes tour, followed by refreshments and talks by Sam and I. Tickets are limited. Visit wlvr.org flower show today. This event is made possible by Lehigh Valley Home and Garden Center. From the dangerous and annoying studios at Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, it's time for another garden-decimating episode of Chemical-Free Horticultural Hijinks. You bet your garden. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. Are pest mammals like groundhogs and raccoons making your garden miserable? On today's show, we'll reveal what you can and legally can't do about them. Plus, why you should never flush cat or dog waste. And your fabulous phone call questions, comments, tips, tricks, suggestions, and nonsensibly nuanced notifications. So keep your eyes and or ears right here, cats and kittens, because it's coming up faster than groundhogs hopefully packing their own bags because you're not allowed to pack them right after this. Support comes from Hot Bin Composters, designed to reduce waste and create compost within 30 to 90 days. More information at hotbincomposting-us.com. Well, they haven't caught on to me yet, so welcome to yet another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up later in the show, we have a great question of the week that's mostly listener replies to our episodes on groundhogs, and we're going to throw raccoons in there for free. All right, that's a lot to get done. We better hop, hop like a bunny to your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Dan, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thank you. How are you doing? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking, Dan. <laughs> Ducky's, um, wait a minute, get this chipmunk out of the way. Give Ducky his prime spot. Um, listener interviews, by the way, have said that they would prefer Ducky do the show, and I just sit there with a mask on, but I'm not listening. Uh, how are you, Dan, and where are you? I'm doing well in lovely Ringo's, New Jersey. Oh, that, what, a, what a crazy name. You know, uh, Lorne Green, who played the patriarch on Bonanza, actually recorded mm-hmm. a single called Ringo. And, oh, Ringo, yep. Yeah, in, in addition to the drummer with multiple rings. But um, do you have any idea why it's called Ringo's? No, it's named, named after the dread pirate John Ringo's. Oh, excellent. And- Apparently, legend has it, he sailed up the Delaware, retired his pirating ways, opened up a pub or a tavern and a wayhouse here mm-hmm. at the uh, crossroads in Ringo's, mm-hmm. and uh, buried his treasure somewhere that uh, they've been, the farmers have been digging up their fields for centuries now and still haven't found it. Oh, wow. Or just not like, saying if they did. Just like those poor people on Oak Island, right? Well, we found uh, exactly. Yeah, we found a spoon today. Yay! 
Oh, yeah, it has a, a, a wonderful uh, continental history here. Mm-hmm. Is the tavern near the water any, in any way, shape, or form? It's not Ringo's. Do you know where New Hope is? Oh, yeah. And then you go up the hill about eight miles, and then you're in Ringo's. Okay. Hmm. Did he bury it on the way, or did he wait till he got there? Who knows? All right. Let's get back we, to we, brass We tacks. feel all the gold is in our compost pile, so we're very happy to have that. There gold. you go. It's worth as much as a Bitcoin. All <laughs> right. What can we do for Dan in a town that I didn't realize had such a, a, such a great history? Thank you. Well, a few years back, uh, in uh, honor of my wife's father who had passed away, we had planted a service berry uh-huh. that we got from a local nursery who has a very good reputation. Mm-hmm. And within about six months of planting it, we planted it in the springtime, mm-hmm. all the leaves turned orange and oh. all the little berries, and there weren't, weren't that many, mm-hmm. uh, all got kind of scraggly and dropped off. Right. Do you see science fiction blobs at this point hanging off the tree, these (laughs) weird, semi-luminescent nightmare sculptures? Exactly, yes. As a matter of fact, it looks like the coronavirus blown up a bazillion times. Oh, all those images we see. I wonder if that's what it really looks like. I've I've used my microscopic vision, and I can't find it. Um, (laughs) Well, you are the victim of one of the strangest, I don't even know if you'd call it a disease. Well, it's called rust, so I guess you'd have to. But it's, you may know this Mm -hmm. by now, cedar apple rust. It is a disease that goes back and forth. It needs both apple trees and members of the cedar family. Most of the time, it's juniper that it's interacting with. Right. And uh, there are other trees that are susceptible. And I seem to remember that serviceberry is one of them. So do you, I doubt you have any cedar trees, but do you have juniper in the immediate area? Well, there's a lot of wooded lots around us. Mm -hmm. Uh, We we have about two and a third acres, and there's a bit of a buffer between us and our neighbors. But, you know, we're probably a good 100, 150 yards away from anybody's wooded areas. Mm -hmm. So there might be some undergrowth juniper, you know, growing in there. Yeah. Um, When did you plant the tree? Uh, Three years ago. Okay. Are you getting any viable berries now? Yes. Yeah, it bloomed beautifully this season, Mm -hmm. and there are little berries on the little tips of the blooms right now. You know, that's interesting because in our region, Pennsylvania, Delaware, New Jersey, um, it's been bone dry and end of summer-like weather this spring. And dry weather is always going to cause us uh, spielkes because we have to keep watering all the time. But dry weather alone prevents disease almost better than anything. Um, Do you think that might be... Um, the bonus you received this year? We're going to keep our fingers crossed on that. I was out there this morning looking at it, and the leaves are all nice and green for the moment. There was a little bit of reddening last week, but I think that was just sort of the leaves starting to mature. Or just responding to the heat. You keeping that baby um, watered at the base? We are keeping her hydrated, yes. Yeah, okay. Well, as you probably know, there's no cure for cedar apple rust. But it's... You know, it's a disease that may not occur every year. And when that tree is fully mature, 
you may have those orange lanterns hanging all over it, uh, but still get good fruit because the tree has adapted to the stress. But obviously mm -hmm. your, your best friend is a hot and dry spring. And um, this, it, it's not also known as the Juneberry, is it? Because I, uh, I know they, uh, they produce fruit very early in the season um, and are among the first fruits to appear um, and maybe the first tree fruits, period. Have you had good harvest before or this is the first year? We haven't had any harvest because every year, thus up until now, all the berries have gotten the rust. Right. And, and did you they try really just deform? They turn orange and get deformed, so we haven't been able to pick anything. Even well, the birds won't yeah. touch them. I was going to say, save them for Halloween. Give them to the kids. Um, <laughs> there are some natural things you can try if the weather's been wet. As soon as the tree leaves out. Now, this is just me throwing something out there for you to do. I would start spraying it mm -hmm. with copper, which is one of the most effective preventatives for any kind of rust. You know, otherwise, like I said, you got to find every little uh, cedar relative and juniper relative in the area <laughs> and, you know, declare war on them. But uh, this is right. really good to see the difference that you've seen. And the berries should be almost full size and ready to ripen right now, right? They're, they're not quite that mature yet. They're okay. still pretty green. And Okay, but they're so there. Probably, you know, a, mil a milky green. Yeah. But they are there, yes, and they're getting bigger every day. Excellent. And have you ever fed this tree? Yes, we do a top coat of about two inches of compost in the okay. fall and in the spring. That's excellent. That's another disease preventative. Uh, that's what you got. You got um, cedar apple rust. As the tree matures, at least the literature says that the effects should not affect the fruiting. And I think one of the things you're fighting is most of the time the spring is wet. And that really fosters yeah. the development of this transition of the disease. Is it transmitted by the air yes. or by insects? How does the No, it's it airborne. Jump? It's airborne. It's airborne, uh, okay. Yeah, whichever plant develops. It's a fungal spore type thing. Correct. Exactly right. You know what you could also do, it occurs to me, uh, have you ever heard me uh, talk about surround the clay spray? I have, yes. You know, yep. surround uh, would create a barrier that the spores theoretically should not be able to get through. So if everything looks good, when the flowers drop and the fruits begin to form, it wouldn't be foolish to start spraying with surround. It's just clay, but it makes a physical barrier. Mm -hmm. Oh, okay. I hadn't thought of that. Yeah, well, that's why I make the big money, man. <laughs> we, we do use surround on our blueberries. Oh, so you got it there. Can of corn. Yeah, we have it here. So but I, had, I hadn't thought of using that on the service berry because I wasn't sure if it helped fungus or not. So I didn't want to take a chance. No, it won't, it won't help the fungus. It'll be like closing a door on it. Oh, great. Okay, we'll give that a shot too. Now, if we were to use a uh, copper spray, when's the best time to do that? I've never used copper sprays myself, but just follow the directions on the package. Okay. I would not do it right All before right, a, a rainfall because it's going to wash it off. All right? All right. All right. We got to get out of here. Great. Good luck to you.
All right, I have one quick comment for you. Yes, please. The spotted lanternflies are very prolific in New Jersey. I don't know. I've heard a couple of episodes where you said, has New Jersey gotten them yet? Last year, we were inundated with them. Huh. Okay, well, that's not on the maps yet. So um, what, can I, what can I tell you? At least the nymphs are fun to watch. <laughs> they look like an old Fleischer cartoon. Mike, All right. thanks for everything you do. We really appreciate the time. Roger, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How are you? I am just ducky. Thanks for asking, Roger. Ducky's getting a lot of attention these days. Um, I think I think he got a better contract than I did. All right. Where is Roger? Hey, I'm uh, I'm in uh, Bordentown, New Jersey. Okay, the Garden State. And what can we do for you, sir? Like I've, I've been struggling uh, the last few years with uh, I have creeping juniper, where there's been kind of a, a viney weed. Um, I, I did a little bit of research, and it, it appears to be something called ground ivy. And oh, no okay. No matter how much I, I pull it out, it, yep. Uh, so ground ivy. Yeah, no matter how much I pull it out, it just keeps coming out. Uh, ground ivy, um, it doesn't look like ivy, right? It's creeping Charlie. It's flowering. It, it Yeah, it could. Yes, yeah, yeah little, okay. little purple flowers. It Yes, and they're beautiful. They were actually... Um, this plant was used as a ground cover um, and then escaped into the um, non-wild. So uh, creeping Charlie, ground ivy, gill over the ground. This plant has a number of different names. Now, um, how, you know, how, how much space do your uh, low-growing junipers take up? It, it, it's probably like a, a five by 10 foot area. Okay. Now, have you tried soaking the soil, just saturate it, and then slowly pulling the creeping Charlie out? I, I, I've, I've tried a couple of different things like that. And, and uh, along with that, what I what I decided this year was to let it grow a little bit more so that the plants were a little bit sturdier. And I, right. I did, like, like you just said, mm-hmm. after watering, it got a little bit more success with getting some of the roots up. Oh, yeah. No, not just watering. I mean, soak that area. The wetter the soil, the more you can slowly pull where the vine enters the ground and get all of it. And it doesn't sound like that big a um, an area. And if you get it under control early in the season, it won't set seed. You know, this. Okay. The, I love the flowers. I, I let it grow in an area outside my garden area um, with a lot of yeah, other... Yeah, actually right next door, my neighbor my neighbor does that right next door. He's got a, a plot of it. That, like you said, it looks it looks very nice. It is. And do you, you know, know did, just, have you it, noticed it, that it smells like sage when you touch it and pull on it? I, I, I've noticed an odor. I hadn't identified it, but yeah, it, it, it's, it's pleasant for sure. Yeah, oh, it's very pleasant. Um, I don't really consider it a, a weed. It Is it interfering with the juniper, or is it you just want the juniper to be there, period? Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, the the juniper is is kind of the highlight of that area, and it grows grows so dense, and it grows above the juniper that you you actually don't see the juniper. Okay. If if you left untouched, it it just completely overwhelms it. Okay, so uh, I want you uh, to get out there um, and saturate the area, uh, find where the vine is coming out of the ground, and gingerly get it out. Um, if the plants have already set seed, 
you're probably going to have to do this again. If you get it while it's still just flowering, um, you may be done. Um, if you think it's setting seed, you may want to get a flame weeder and flame uh, the flowers so that you uh, destroy the seeds. And there is also oh, okay. there's also a tool you can use. It's called the water-powered weeder. And as far as I know, it is only available uh, from one source, which is Lee Valley Tools. But it's great. You attach it to your hose. It's a very long stick-like thing, and it has a trigger. And you, you find where the, um, where the uh, weed is entering the ground. You stick the point of this thing down, pull the trigger, and a laser-like beam of water goes and honestly just clears the area around the root system. And then it's your game to lose. The, you know, after they've gone through that and is soaking, they should be very easy to remove. Okay. All right. Yeah, I, I like that that tool. I've never heard of it, but it it, it sounds it sounds very logical. You know, I don't know. I I have never seen anybody else selling it. Uh, Lee Valley Tools, even though they've never given my show a dime, is uh, a very high quality <laughs> company, and this tool is just amazing. Um, yes, you're gonna love it. Okay. All right, sir. Sounds good. All right. Thank you very much. Okay. Mike, thank you very much. Bye bye. Bye bye. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone who is fighting through the hot and bone-dry 90-degree days this, quote, spring, that shot straight to summer to keep an eye on your plant's water needs. With low humidity and record-breaking heat, I'm watering every other day. But don't go turning the sprinkler on just yet because we'll be right back with important information about groundhogs and raccoons and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath, and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, Pennsylvania. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Welcome back to another thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up, more of your fabulous phone calls and the question of the week about groundhogs and raccoons. So we better get right to those phone calls. That number to call, 888-492-9444. Carol. Welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. Thanks for taking my call. Well, thanks for making it. How you doing? Good. How are you? I am just Ducky. Thanks for asking. Oh, Ducky, is your mask still on? Have you been vaccinated, Ducky? All right. Uh, and where is Carol good? Um, I'm good in Sudbury, Massachusetts. Oh, okay. Sudbury. Uh, where's that near? Uh, well, it's about 30 minutes west of Boston. Oh, okay. Very good. What can we do you for? Um, well, I have a sort of long-standing problem. <laughs> okay. Uh, we live on like a, an acre and a half of property, and there's a quarter of the acre is down by a very busy road. Right. 
so we, it's basically been neglected. Oh, okay. Wait a like minute. Wait a minute. Years. I'm thinking, <laughs> are you the people with the endangered uh, lilacs? No, oh. no, no, no. Eh. I've, I've got dandelions, <laughs> dandelions and garlic uh, mustard oh. galore. Oh, in, <laughs> uh, in where? In your lawn? In your entire landscape? Do you have? No, it's a... it's in the area down by the road, about mm-hmm. a quarter of an acre that has been neglected. Okay, it's just I've tried. You know, we put a wall up along the road. Mm-hmm. We put a uh, like. 35 of those um, big giant sequoia kind of, you know, arborvitae. Arbor, arborvitae generally, yeah. Yeah, in those trees. And then inside we've tried to put, you know, some pretty trees like dogwoods and mm-hmm. cherry trees and Japanese maples. But the problem is in between, you know, we never put a lawn in or anything like that, but it's okay. just... The weeds are out of control, and I, it's so overwhelming. And I've got the, you know, I did get one of the, uh, you know, flame weeders right. for the dandelions. But it's so overwhelming, the flame. I mean, I need about six people with six flame weeders Oh, I like the that. Time. And then it could be like a <laughs> dance band. Maybe they could do some motion in there with the horns <laughs> going back and forth. I like that. I want to but see that video. Uh, People, I want yeah, to see a video <laughs> of a team of flame weeders. I yeah. love that. Okay, so um, <laughs> you've got these nice trees uh, to block the road, right. and then you've got right. these weeds. And then what's between them and your house or your garden? Um, well, it's, there's a big hill, and they're kind of woods, just, you know, uh, deciduous trees and leaves. Oh, okay. So do you have a garden? Oh, yeah. Up by the house, there's a lot. You know, I've got raised beds. And um, so there's plenty of work up at the top of the hill. I mean, nature abhors a vacuum. If you don't plant anything, nature is going to move in and she's going to plant what she wants. Now, here's the deal. Dandelions are actually great. If you just leave them alone while they are flowering you will see every type of native bee. They love the pollen and nectar from dandelions. So I would not worry about them, except for the fact that if you don't want them to spread too much, just go out and flame weed the puffballs after the flowers turn to those uh, puffball heads. Um, Because if you wait and you get to them right away, every time you hit a puffball, with the flame weeder, it's like munchkin fireworks. There's all these little colors and everything. You got a band playing in the background. Um, The garlic mustard is a big deal. Garlic mustard is a nefarious uh, plant uh, whose root systems can be toxic to many other plants. So have you ever seen a device called the, the hound dog? Most people, no. most people use it to remove uh, dandelions, but it is uh, a metal tool, uh, kind, of tool uh, kind of tall, and what you do, it has a cage on the bottom and uh, a plunger. What you do is you put it down over top of the weed, hit the plunger, 
And in most cases, it gets the weed out um, root and all. But just okay. um, designate areas and then be brutal, especially now because the garlic mustard hasn't gone to seed. This is your best chance to get some control. Well, I've already, you know, I started early and mm -hmm. I pulled four contractor garbage bags full of Good. garlic mustard. Good. But I just, you know, two weeks later, there's just like, you know, a, a bed of, you know, okay. the little now, one how, inch size. How did you pull them? Um, I pulled them. It, I did it when it was wet. Okay, and good. I'm pretty sure I got the root. Okay. You know, because the soil's pretty soft down there. Because I've had last summer, I put down like 17 yards of compost. Uh, to feed the weeds? <laughs> well, because I was. All right. I have out been of here. trying to plant. Guilty. <laughs> no, Guilty. I've been, trying, I've been trying to plant things like. Anything that doesn't, you know, I don't have room for at the top, I've moved to the bottom. Yeah. I've bought okay. plants, and I've thrown tons you of, like, wildflower seeds. Yeah you, yeah, you can't plant where there's a lot of garlic mustard. The garlic mustard okay. is allopathic. It'll kill many of the new okay. plants. So uh, don't okay. feed it again. All right. Okay. Now, you're in um, Massachusetts, Sudbury? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Your season of hot weather is not long enough to solarize um, that area. How big an area are we talking about? Quarter of an acre. Oh, man. Um, I know. It's a lot. Okay. Have you tried um, oh, uh, an iron-based broadleaf herbicide? No. Okay. I will. Um, uh, iron-based broadleaf herbicides are very effective. They work just like chemical broadleaf herbicides. You spray it on the leaves. And because the leaves are broad, they hold the material. And the plants are stressed by the iron. I have no reason to believe it would not be effective against garlic mustard. Again, I like to leave my dandelions alone until they go okay. to seed. Although I do get rid of the ones okay. that people can see from the road, so they think I'm better at this than I actually am. But I would, uh, Gardens Alive sells a product called Iron X, and that's the, that's the name brand that you're looking for. I have seen okay. um, iron-based herbicides in many garden centers and places. So you can learn about it or, or go online and just type in iron-based herbicides, and they'll tell you what to look for. Um, the active ingredient will be listed as um, one of the chemical names for iron. It might be HD, um, not HDTV. Uh, um, I, I can't remember exactly, uh, but it's a synonym okay. for iron. So you should research okay. it first, and then uh, okay. you may be able to buy it locally. You can get it online, and, um, excuse me. Uh, you can try to find it locally, or you can get it online, but that's the easy way. You're not down on your hands and knees. You're not pulling. Uh, okay. You won't have as yeah. much green material to throw away. And it may take a year or two to get this monster under control. Uh, but yeah. I think it's entirely possible. Uh, you want to section off areas 
one at a time. Pick an area that you think you can constantly spray the garlic mustard okay. and then put down some kind of a, a barrier between it and the other spots. You can even use black plastic. I mean, it won't solarize it, but it'll smother some things. Or you can just use like logs or rulers to show where you've worked. Um, but again, I urge you to leave the dandelions alone until they go to seed because okay. they are great okay. for bees and pollinators. Okay, good. That's what I wanted is to have like a wildflower meadow that, you know, look pretty. Well, <laughs> wildflower, wildflower meadows are difficult in the sense that especially in the beginning, they're fighting weeds and they might not right. be the strongest growers. So I would urge you to yeah. put that in the back of your mind, and if you have the seeds, keep them dry and cool and uh, work at getting um, this stuff under control. One thing you might want to consider okay. is planting wildflowers as soon as you get an area um, clean and give them a chance to get okay. established and maybe uh, block the weeds. Okay? Okay. All right. Good okay. luck to you. All right. Thank you so much, Mike. I really, nobody had the answer to this. <laughs> That's why I'm here. I know, you're the best. All right, yes I am. Okay. All right, thank you. Well, they saw it first in Southeast PA, and it's spreading further every day. It's doing our crops and trees a lot of harm. It's an insect species that's not native, reproducing at a very high rate of speed, and folks, that's cause for some alarm. Once you dig what I have dug, you'll be hit to this invasive bug and friend. You'll want to help to stop it spread. And when you see that little critter gonna take a swing like a home run hitter and smash that spotted lantern, fly dead. Die, 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 spotted lantern, fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a fly swatter, I'm gonna chase her all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern, fly. And fall from the eggs on a wall tree trunk and scrape them off into an alcohol dunk and surely that will cause them to expire. When the nymphs hatch from the eggs in spring, wrap your trees with a sticky tape ring, but save the birds by covering with chicken wire. Now the tree of heaven is their preferred host, yeah, that's the tree it likes the most. So if you got one in your yard, chop it down. Don't transport firewood, brush or debris, cause they'll hide in there and you'll never see them hitch a ride with you to the very next town. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. When you see me coming, you'll know your end is nigh. I got a flash water, I'm gonna chase you all the way back to Asia. Die, 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 spotted lantern fly. Justin, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Hi, Mike. How, you How are you? Oh, I'm just ducky. Thanks for asking, Justin. Um, how are you doing, and where are you? I'm also a ducky, and I'm in Abington. Okay, Abington, PA. Um, not far from Philadelphia. Yes. What can we do you for? So I, I moved into my house three years ago and came beautifully landscaped. There's these two dwarf Alberta spruces right mm -hmm. in front of the house, and I've never had any issues with them until this year I started noticing on both of them some browning and dyeing, kind the, of all around, no pattern to it, just haphazardly. Not not just at the bottom? No, it's kind of all up them. Um, both of them on the backside, I, I guess it might be worse on the bottom. Okay, so 
unless you have done something wrong, are they mulched? No. Okay. Um, do you feed them? Are they growing near a treated lawn? No. No okay. to both. Well, then your problem, although not really curable, is very common. Evergreens are very susceptible to browning out on areas that they don't get full sun, um, which is why the best-looking evergreens you see are open on all sides, not against a wall, like I'm guessing your trees are? Correct. Yeah. Yeah, they're, um, they're, they, yeah that, that would make sense for the way they're facing, I guess. And how long have they been in the ground, and how tall are they? Um, they're probably about three feet high. Mm -hmm. I don't know when they were planted, but when I moved in, the tags were on them. So I guess they must have been fairly recent at that point. Yeah. And are, are both of them, you said you got two of them, right? Yes. And are they both in the same kind of situation where they get no sun on one side? Correct. Yeah. Well, I think it's not your fault. It's what we call a cultural problem, like opera and my show. Uh, you don't have many choices here. You can try to move them uh, into the center of the yard, but I doubt that the brown parts are going to re-green. I have one of these trees as well, and I've been growing it in a container, believe it or not, and not a really suitable container for a tree. I got it as like a temporary Christmas addition to everything else two or three years ago, but it has survived fabulously, and I just love it. The needles are so soft. It has a natural conical shape. So what I might suggest is you, you take them out. If you want to try to plant them somewhere where they get full sun or you have an area where you can put them where the public can't stare at them, and then replace them with, with something that really does well uh, against the side of a house. Um, oh, God, for Scythia. <laughs> You'd have to prune it every spring, um, but it doesn't care where it gets its sun. Um, hydrangeas, actually. I have hydrangeas that do very well, and they're kind of against a wall, although I've got, like, I guess it's like four feet of airflow behind them. Um, but I think it was just the wrong plant in the wrong place, and again, not your fault. Uh, these plants do great in full sun from all sides. So if you, if you really liked the plants, and I certainly wouldn't blame you, um, get another one and plant it you know, close, uh, what, further away from the house where it gets some sun at the bottom and on the backside. Okay. All right? Okay, man, not your fault. And um, I suggest just taking them out and planting something there that does well in that kind of a situation. Okay? All right. Thanks. You are welcome. Thank you. And uh, good luck, sir. Thank you. Well, it's time for me to take a little break and remind everyone who's been trying to protect vulnerable new plants from a hot and dry spring that you can pretty much water as often as you want right now until hopefully the rains return. As long as that watering is only in the early morning, not in the heat of the day or at dusk. But don't go setting your timer on the sprinkler just yet because we'll be right back with important info about groundhogs and raccoons and more of your fabulous phone calls. I'm Mike McGrath and you're listening to You Bet Your Garden from the studios of Lehigh Valley 
Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Support for You Bet Your Garden is provided by the Espoma Company, offering a complete selection of natural organic plant foods and potting soils. More information about Espoma and the Espoma Natural Gardening Community can be found at ESPOMA.com. Support comes from Hot Bin Composters, designed to reduce waste and create compost within 30 to 90 days. More information at hotbincomposting-us.com. Welcome back to You Bet Your Garden. From the studios of Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA, I am your host, Mike McGrath. Coming up soon in the question of the week, really important information for you to know about groundhogs, raccoons, the ethics and the legality of not only trapping them, but did you know you're not allowed to release them almost anywhere? Woo! We'll get into the details after a couple more of your fabulous phone calls at 888-492-9444. Ron, welcome to You Bet Your Garden. Well, thank you. Nice to be on with you. Well, thank you, Ron. How are you doing? Doing fine, thank you. And where is Ron doing fine? I live in Wilmington, Delaware. Okay, very good. What can we do you for, sir? Well, I've been having problems with my... Uh, strawberry patch. Uh, mm -hmm. I seem to have uh, bugs of some kind. As soon as the berries start to ripen, why something starts eating at them. Uh, mm -hmm. They don't seem to bother them until they start to ripen. Uh, and I did, uh, at, a, at a suggestion, I did uh, put out some uh, trays, or not trays, but uh, for uh, with beer, mm -hmm. but uh, thinking that maybe they were slugs, but uh, they didn't uh, uh, seem to take to any of the uh, the uh, trays that I had put out. Uh, okay, well that's I didn't I didn't I didn't catch any slugs. Right. Well, that's a good process of elimination. Uh, what's the possibility that mice are able to access the strawberries? Uh, they could access it, but I don't think so because we have a outdoor cat and she is pretty uh good about things like that of uh, uh keeping up with uh, the fields around us okay great uh describe the damage to me well it would be like they would eat uh or peck at uh, the end of the berry sometimes they would uh, up as much as a half of the the berry itself would be eaten away when i would uh, check uh the crop in the morning. Mm -hmm. um, the other concern I have is that the berries often, uh, at this time anyway, seem to fall on because of the weight of the berry uh, on the vine uh, or on the uh, the plant. Uh, plant uh, tend to uh, 
dip down into this onto the soil, and mm-hmm. sometimes uh, they, I think bugs get get this, the the uh, strawberry at that point too. It makes access much easier. Are you growing them in a container, flat ground, or a raised bed? Uh, flat ground. Okay. Uh, I think you're working against yourself there. Uh, protecting ripe strawberries can be very difficult compared to the other fruits. You know, raspberries grow at the top of canes. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Blueberries grow at the top of the plant. But the uh, the strawberries are just laying there. I mean, you might as well have a sign, eat at Joe's. Um, <laughs> and these are June berries, I'm presuming, or are they ever bearing? Yes. June berries. No, June berries. Okay. Right. So um, what I'm going to suggest, if you can still find plants, I would get a nice container. You know, they do the, the reason you see strawberry pots in um, garden centers is because it, it really keeps the fruit clean and keeps uh, pests off of them, no matter what the pest is. They, they have to go to work to get to them. So I would say get a nice big container and see if you can find some um, ever-bearing plants that are still around. Okay. And then you, you okay. should get um, strawberries this year. But I think you gotta stop growing them on the ground, especially if it's flat ground. Um, you can try fencing around it, uh, but that could be voles as well. I know you got a cat, but, um, and if the damage is being done overnight, I'm shocked that it isn't slugs, but, um, but I believe you. But I, I think the answer is to, it's just a plant that doesn't do well growing on the ground because it's too attractive. Okay. So grow in a strawberry pot and other type of container, and I think you'll be able to eat your strawberries for a change. Well, yeah, I don't mind sharing uh, sharing them, but it's when oh, they get I do. the majority of them, I get a little concerned. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I don't share well. You know, I don't I don't work and play well with other children, and I don't share. <laughs> All right. All right, okay. man. Okay, I appreciate it. Two little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs, little bugs. As promised, it is time for the question of the week, which we're calling Update on Groundhog and Raccoon Woes, the people speak. As you may recall from a recent thrilling episode, we answered, or tried to answer, a listener with groundhog issues. She had hired professional trappers, and they had captured a few, but at 175 bucks per woodchuck. The trappers had also captured a possum and a raccoon. And I warned that while possums are kind of beneficial as they eat mice and rats, raccoons are anything but 
beneficial. They are a prime vector for rabies, and their fecal material is tremendously dangerous to humans and pets, as it contains numerous disease and parasitic organisms, including roundworm. How lovely. Now, I told our listener that she should have had the captured raccoon professionally euthanized, as moving it somewhere else would only give other people the problem or cause the raccoon to suffer a long and painful death, as relocated mammals never do well. And relocation is also illegal in many states, as frequent listener and show helper Tom in Nazareth, PA, reminded us. He writes, the topic of relocation of pest mammals came up on a recent show, and you advised against relocation for several very good reasons. But were you aware that it is also against the law in PA and many other states to relocate groundhogs? I thought you should know. Well, thank you, but I did know. However, that call was filled with several very useful diversions, and I didn't have time to mention it. Okay, I also forgot. Tom added this advice from the PA Game Commission. Quote, one of the most common wildlife problems that Pennsylvanians face is garden raiding. The culprits are usually rabbits, groundhogs, and raccoons. They then suggest fencing which is usually ineffective against excellent climbers like groundhogs and raccoons, unless the fence is built correctly. That means the bottom part of the fence has to be buried one or two feet in the ground all around the garden. The middle support of the fence is supported with stakes, supported, and the top foot is unsupported and bent outward to act as a baffle. Go out and watch them fall down when they hit that. They continue, the PA Game Commission, with live traps, which, quote, have a cage with closing door design and come in a variety of sizes. These traps are ideal for residential areas because if you accidentally catch the neighbor's pet by mistake, all you have to do is open the door to release the kitty cat from the trap. However, Anyone who sets one of these traps must recognize that it has the potential to catch something other than what they were hoping, especially skunks. The problem, of course, is what do you do with the skunk? It's liable to spray just about anyone who comes near the trap, even if the person is just trying to set it free. We continue quoting. Since skunks, as well as raccoons, groundhogs, foxes, and coyotes, are rabies vector species, that means they cannot be relocated like other wildlife. Homeowners who set traps and catch these species may think they face the choice of killing the animal or releasing it. But in addition to being prohibited and a bad idea, releasing a skunk or a raccoon can also be a risky situation there's a chance that you could be sprayed by the skunk and bitten or scratched by the skunk or raccoon, end quote. If you are scratched or bitten, you need to see a communicable disease specialist ASAP. Rabies is a very nasty disease. And again, I want to emphasize that it is illegal and a bad idea to release any of these creatures in most states. It's a bad idea, even states that don't outlaw it. 
I strongly recommend that captured creatures be professionally euthanized by a vet or a professional trapper. Oh, and good luck if it is a skunk, cats and kittens. A bath in tomato juice seems to work best if you get sprayed. I know that for sure. But you should also plan to set up a tent in the backyard because that's where you're going to be living for the next week or so. Back to groundhogs and my advice to pour used kitty litter down their holes after removing the feces and flushing or trashing it. Well, Jill in wild and wonderful West Virginia set me straight on that piece of advice. First of all, she says, I love, 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 love your program. I've been listening for at least 10 years, and your advice has greatly improved the health and appearance of my garden and lawn. But on a recent program, you recommended used kitty litter saturated with urine, not feces, to discourage groundhogs. Fabulous suggestion, but please retract the flushing feces part. She quotes, the toxoplasmosis parasite found in cat feces is killing many of the ocean's highly endangered sea otters, along with dolphins, whales, manatees, walruses, sea lions, and seals, including one of the most critically endangered marine mammals of all, the Hawaiian monk seal, of which there are only about 1,100 individuals remaining. Furthermore, the parasite has been found in other marine life that are part of our food chain. So it is being ingested and passed along to other animals, including humans. Most folks are not aware of how lethal the practice of flushing cat feces is to marine life. She continues, just yesterday, I had to educate my own mother. She has lived on the coast in southern Florida for over 25 years and had no idea. I assumed that there would be heightened awareness of this issue in a coastal region. Boy, was I ever wrong. Well, thank you, Jill. Keep talking to your mom. By the way, I also suggested throwing the feces in the trash. So do I at least get time off for good behavior? Well, that sure was some interesting information about the legal rights of groundhogs and raccoons now, wasn't it? Luckily for you, the question of the week appears in print at the Gardens Alive website. To read it over in detail, just click the link for the question of the week at our website, which is still and will forever be, youbetyourgarden.org. Gardens Alive supports the You Bet Your Garden question of the week, and you will always find the latest question of the week at the Gardens Alive website unless I forget to send it to them. Yikes, my producer is threatening to drop his raccoons off at my place if I don't get out of this studio. Woo, we must be out of time. But you can call us anytime at 888-492-9444, or yes, send us your email, your tired, your poor, your wretched refuse teeming towards our garden shore at ybyg at wlvt.org. Please include your location and no funny stuff like I'm in the front yard, the kitchen, okay? 
you'll find all of this contact information at our website, which you must know by now is YouBetYourGarden.org, where you'll also find answers to hundreds, hundreds of your garden questions. Audio of this show, video of this show, and our peerless podcast. You Bet Your Garden is a half-hour public television show, an hour-long public radio show and podcast, all produced and delivered to you weekly by Lehigh Valley Public Media in Bethlehem, PA. Our radio show is distributed by PRX, the public radio exchange. You Bet Your Garden was created by Mike McGrath. Mike McGrath was created by the comedy team of Burns and Schreiber. Ken Queer plays our theme song. Our chief content officer is Yoni Greenbaum. Our angel of the airways is Christine Dempsey. Our engineer is cheerful Charlie Sarah. Our social media director is Amanda Norfleet. Check out her fine work and all of the controversy that is happening right now at the You Bet Your Garden Facebook page. Tavia Minnick is our profound producer of Peerless Production. The lovely Jonas Bowen is our audio editor. Judicious Jake Boyer does the video. Our director of directing direction is the famously harassed and harried Javier Diaz. Andy Cummins makes our equipment work overtime and takes our temperature at the door. Zach Dattakwisneski is either in the house or he isn't. You'll never notice the difference. Despite his recent appearance before a special prosecutor, CEO Tim Fallon still insists that he is not our executive producer. But we'll never know for sure because he either never showed up for the meeting or was so late everybody had gone home. I'm your host, Mike McGrath. There's no rain today, again. So I'm setting the alarm for 6 a.m. so that I can go out and run through the sprinkler putter around the garden, and then run inside when it gets really hot so I can see you all again next week. should the bottom eight to ten feet of dead trees be left standing? I'm Mike McGrath and on the next You Bet Your Garden, I'll tell you a true tale that should make you a fan of snagging. Plus, a new book demands that you fall in love with tiny plants and your fabulous phone calls. That's on the next thrilling episode of You Bet Your Garden. Support comes from Hot Bin Composters, designed to be compact, odor-free, and easy to use. They can help anybody get started composting. More information at hotbincomposting-us.com.